Hello folks, you're listening to Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged and today's guest is my very good friend Rob Hatch. What can I tell you about Rob? Well, despite his creamy broadcast voice, he harbours a surprisingly northern English accent, charmingly down to earth. He might be best known for his commentary on some of your favourite bike races on Eurosport GCN, but he's done a wealth of other sports commentary too, including football and volleyball. Amongst other things, we talk about his most difficult days at work, and he shares some very funny stories about commentating on things he can't see. And of course, we chat about how and when we first met. I had no idea who he was, because he didn't sound like the lad I knew from the telly. So, let's dive straight in. Grab your favourite lip mic, assuming you're also a sports commentator, sit in an upright position to help with projection and enunciation, grab your race notes and a selection of pens, because this is the Rob Hatch episode. You know it's that time again, Podcast. We've got a brand new feature on the podcast where we welcome listeners onto the show by asking you to submit your voice notes on WhatsApp. Here's one sent in by Barry from Halifax. Hiya, this is Barry from Halifax. Just wanted to say that this podcast, it's, it's one of, it's, it's, in my, it's in my top 13 podcasts that I've ever, that I've ever heard in the last week. Uh, it's it's got it's got everything. Uh, I, can't, I can't really tell you what what that everything is, but it's it's yeah, it's got it. And uh, that Steve Matthews is uh, of of, um, of of MSN is 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 all right, isn't he? Is is quite funny sometimes when he tries. Um, when he really tries, but yeah, I just just wanted to say. Uh, yeah, keep keep up the uh, the the work and uh, yeah, Niall, it's is is it not Neil 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 who's been appearing on podcasts recently? You've yeah, you've been you've been uh, there as well. So yeah, you keep you keep you keep being there and uh, yeah yeah. It's in a bit, Tara. <laughs> Hold on a minute, Niall. Yeah, that's that was Jake. That was Jake. It had to be really, didn't it? It's, I did, mean, it did, nobody, did nobody else call in? Well, it came. <sighs> it not only did it come from Jake's number, it also sounded like him. It did, didn't it? I yeah. mean, flipping it. So um, that's Jake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jake, it, but- it's good though because it does show you where if somebody called Barry from Halifax did end up. You'd be in the pod. You'd be in the pod, and that's where he'd be. Yeah, and I think it's probably a good a good um, a learning. It's a good lesson on how not to leave a voice note as well. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, but anyway, if you'd like to get in touch, please do. I'd love to hear your most embarrassing bike riding stories or anything else for that matter. So our number is o seven 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 eight three two three two six eight in the UK. I'll repeat that. It's o seven 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 eight three two three two six eight in the UK. For our international listeners, it is 0044 or plus 44, 777 I'll do that again. Plus 44, And don't forget to include your name so we can give you a shout out. 
Now, Rob Hatch has a voice that will be familiar to a lot of you. Well, if he still has legs left, he has to be the favourite here because the climb now stops being hellish and it becomes much more manageable. Sagan is leading them over and just look at these supporters here. In the commentary booth, he's one of the best in the business and he takes his job very seriously and is quite honestly one of the hardest working broadcasters I have ever met. He has an impressive command of several languages, which will come as no surprise since his pronunciation of writers' names is so respectfully accurate to their mother tongue. Now, he might be fluent in Spanish and Italian and all that jazz, but I was more keen to know what he knew about fellow Accringtonian Mystic Meg's racehorse collection. Check it out. Well, welcome um, to Mr. Roberto of Hatch. Rob, it's so lovely to have you on the pod, mate. Uh, I've meaning, been meaning to have you on for a while. Thanks so much for joining me, mate. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Matt. Sorry, you've got you've got me normal northern voice. Is that all right? I, it's I, absolutely you know, fine. Because I'm not getting paid for this and the red light's not up there. I thought I'd just talk normal if that's all right. It's, it's totally all right. <laughs> we're we're going to go back to your, your roots in Accrington later on in the pod, mate. But um, no, because um, we, we've, we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to get through. And, um, and, I, and I think people will be intrigued. I, I, I really, really do. Because uh, I, I think, Rob, people need to know more about you. I think they do. I think they need to. I think um, you're you're loved, but I think we need to scratch um, beneath the veneer and, and have a look at who you who you really are. As well. so I'm quite excited to uh, hopefully unfurl um, l- like a like a baked onion. Um, some of your, ex- how many coffees have you had this morning? I, I, I'm on my second. I'm on my second. But they're quite strong, Rob. They're quite strong. Good <laughs> Good right. Could you set the scene, as we normally do on Matt Stevens Unplugged, and tell everybody where in the world you are and what you can see immediately around you, please, mate? Um, I'm afraid it's not the prettiest of sights right now. Um, after these three years where a lot of you know have been working, you know, a lot of us working at home in home studios and not going to events. I'm actually at an event, Matt. I'm in Munich at the European Championships. I'm working for the host broadcaster and I'm in my hotel room because I've got the morning off. Uh, so I thought I'd have a chat with you. It's lovely and sunny outside, but I'm on the sixth floor of a not particularly pretty building in a chain hotel. I'm looking out at a very well-known manufacturer of photocopiers' offices. Okay. Um, and in the distance, I can see, what, a supermarket, a couple of restaurants, and uh, the odd the odd nice church spire in the distance, which tells me that I'm in Munich because it's got this sort of Bavarian architecture. But yeah, it's not that pretty. I've got a bit of dirty washing up floor. Mm. Um, oh, right what else the, have I got? Okay. And, and, all me, and all the washing that I'm trying to clean, you know, because it's summer, isn't it? You come with like shorts and T-shirts. That's hung up behind me. So I'm afraid it's not the prettiest sight, Matt. But this is a site that we that we we know and love from the from the grand tours and stuff. It is oh, it's very, yes. it, it is uh, your hotel room is is your hub. Um, we have to quite often wait for a rest day to get the time to sit down and go and get your and get your washing done at a laundrette. So essentially, it's it's a do it all place. It's a home from home, isn't it? It is, and you know, obviously, we compared to a grand tour, I have the luxury of being in the same room. Oh yeah, but I think it's eight nights, Matt. It's amazing. Blimey, blimey. Yeah, you were. Um, I did the European Championships on Sunday, well, the, the men's road race on Sunday, and I was yes. lucky enough to do it with somebody else. I did it with a, a lovely uh, Philippa York. That was great fun. Oh, it was brilliant. a lo- it was a long stint. Um, we did flag to line. Tell now, me Rob, about it. did yes? I was just about to. We set the scene where you are. You did the men's road race on Sunday on your own for six mm. hours, mate. How was that? <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely to be back on site and looking out of my little porter cabin commentary box. Um, at least the air conditioning was working yesterday. I had, I had a, we had a bit of a, 
a disaster with the air conditioning yesterday at the time trial, which I'll tell you about in just a few minutes. But um, thankfully, we had all the beautiful Bavarian scenery, didn't we? Because otherwise, I think it would have been an even more dull affair. I, I felt sorry for anybody tuning in and, and hoping for a more interesting race. But the parkour, the route was always going to be a big sprint, wasn't it? And uh, on the streets of Munich. And it was it was a long old affair being on my own. And I got a text from my mum, actually, tell me I was on the BBC and I didn't realise because I was working for the Ulster Broadcaster. So um, that was uh, that was also a moment of the day. I thought, oh, I better book up here. I better, I better, <laughs> I better be half decent. So I didn't realise that. I'd ended up on there. Um, I do work for the BBC quite a lot, but I wasn't supposed to be working from on that day. <laughs> it's a weird one, isn't it, when you do host broadcasting? And, and actually, while before we go on to, before we go back in time a little bit, it's worth explaining, isn't it, what um, what what we both do in terms of working for, you know, primarily for Eurosport GCN. And mm. then both of us quite often do work for the host broadcaster supplying the world feed. Yeah. And we have the tweets and that from a lot of people um, saying, oh, where can I hear you guys? When I work with Ned, where can I hear you, et cetera, et cetera. Can you just explain to people listening what exactly the world feed is? Because it remains a little bit of a mystery to a lot of people. Of course, and naturally it will be because it's not something that we want to talk about too much when we're on air. It, it's a service that's provided. So let's go right to the beginning. Where do you buy, you know, when you watch something on the telly, let's say you're watching, uh, remember when La Liga, Spanish football was on Sky Sports, for example. Well, they would have bought the rights, first of all, to show the La Liga games from the rights holders who would have been the, the Spanish league. With that service, obviously, they send the pictures to you because you're buying the pictures Sometimes a commentary comes with it for if the channel buying the pictures doesn't have their own commentators. Or the other reason that obviously um, a world feed is provided or a guide commentary is provided, that's what it's generally called, is because if you have commentators in a, in a different language, then that sport's not particularly big in that country. Um, traditionally, a guide commentary would have been put through the years and it was there to help people maybe doing highlights afterwards to tell you what was happening. So that's that's another place it comes from as well. So, you know, when you buy, you're a channel and let's use another example. So let's use our example of uh, Discovery Sports, Warner Brothers Discovery as um, now, now is yeah. Eurosport GCN to you and I. When they buy the Tour de France, if they didn't have the team of all of us lot doing the commentary, <laughs> what they would be able to do would be to flick a switch and put the host commentary that is usually provided by a couple of our colleagues, and they would have been able to put that on. So when you buy a sports event, it normally comes with a commentary as well as the pictures that you can toggle on or off if you're the broadcaster. I think that's the best explanation I can give. Yeah, it's, uh, it is quite interesting, and it's not, it's not uncommon um, well, occasionally, if there's technical issues, um, for that toggle to be switched, and quite often mid-commentary happened to me during the Olympic Games when there was an issue, <laughs> um, and we end up hearing the host broadcaster uh, at the Olympic Games, and it, and it is is something that happens every now and again from a technical perspective. It's I, I guess it's almost like a fail-safe device as well, isn't it? And also for for smaller uh, companies who who can't afford or don't have their own their own team, they just get the English clean feed through with the language on it, and they can just pump that straight out as well, can't they? Exactly. A lot of the work that I usually do in the spring, um, I've been doing this since the start of my career now, really. Uh, I always go and work for the host broadcasters in uh, in Flanders, the Flemish uh, classic races, the Flanders classics races, which actually a company that owns a series of races. Of course, Tour of Flanders is one of them. And you've done a few of those jobs with me in the past. I have, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and a lot of the time you end up going out in channels around the world. I think sometimes we're on in South Africa, New Zealand. 
um, all sorts of different places. Again, for that reason, because those channels don't necessarily have their own commentary team. So it's a service provided. And from a personal point of view, I know it's difficult for audience to understand because it's it's not the way they imagine the business or the industry to be set up. But from a personal point of view, I've had some of my best ever professional moments doing these jobs, traveling to countries that I'd never even get to go to. It's brilliant, um, isn't it? And it, I never thought I'd yeah. be able to go to. It, it, it is fantastic. I think all of us, um, all of the the uh, the team that we work with, including including Dan Carlton, you, me, and, and the rest of us, um, have we work for like I said, GCN Eurosport. But quite often we've been in these places, and and um, quite far flung. I know you've been to places like China uh, for some of these smaller races as well, and um, it's quite good fun actually. It's a it's a privileged uh, position, really, isn't it, mate? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I always say um, there's far too much ego in our business, unfortunately. There's a lot of people who think they're a bit too big for the boots and think there's something they're not. Um, I think we could do well to remember that um, we are extremely privileged to do what we do. Uh, Yes, we work hard, not, not taking that away. We work extremely hard if you want to do a good job. But I think we are extremely privileged and very, very lucky to to do what we do. And I think uh, when you've had a bad day, like, you know, you have a bad day, everyone has a bad day at work, whatever they do, however good, bad, interesting or monotonous their job is, um, we'd do well to to remember that, won't we? I think it's always good to remind yourself that. Totally, totally. Now, just from, I just want to add a little bit more perspective uh, to, to this because I only asked you to come on the pod quite quite recently, actually. Uh, although I've wanted you on the pod uh, for a long, uh, long uh, time. So, <laughs> so from a from who a cancelled on you. Yeah. So actually, no, no, nobody cancelled. Um, so basically, I called you. I gave you. I dropped your message. You, you've obliged, but you, as you said, you're in situ and you haven't got your full on pod set up. You've got your laptop, but you're yeah. actually podding and i've never actually podded with anybody who's using a traditional lip mic so uh it's, it's first proper, time for everything proper BB, yeah pr- proper bbc so a lip mic again can you just describe for people who might be thinking lip mic what's that a lot of you will know but can you just describe what is pressed up against your top lip right now oh no i've got a full sweat on now it's only quarter to 11 where i am blimey I'll why you're an hour behind and all <laughs> hearing me so right, i'm mic. sorry <laughs> uh, you, now a lip mic it's gonna depend hang on let me have a sip of me a little mate tea it's massive this in germany it's like a soft drink mm. you know mate that they drink in south america no a little tea no Oh, no, it's massive. In, it. in, in Germany, it's become huge. It's this caffeinated drink that a lot of people drink in South America. You see them drinking out of these little cups and tins with funny-looking little straws. Wonderful stuff. <laughs> and um, in, here in Germany, they've got, they're have got selling these like half-litre bottles of mate-infused like soft drink, and it's it's brilliant. So let me have a little sip. Have a little sip, mate. Have a... I mean, they're absolutely fine. Oh, that's it's better because all... I haven't got a coffee machine. Obviously, you no, know, we're not. We, we're not we just want to make sure. This week. I mean, brilliant. I mean, I'd like, always like to make sure that my podcasts are comfortable. So, and and of course, refreshed and hydrated. Right, I'm refreshed and hydrated, <laughs> and I've got my lip mic pressed brilliant. against my top lip. So, depending on where you are in the world, doesn't it really? Having mm. said that, I've just realised that this does go out to a lot of people around the world. So perhaps I should have talked in broadcast voice. So I apologise. Well, I'd, I'd like you to around do that. the world who, who can't who can't organise who well, can't listen to me. You'd well, like me to talk posh? Well, I tell you what. I mean, because I'm going to go back to this this in a minute. Because if you could, I tell you what. We've we've heard your natural Lancastrian accent, and this is the oh, accent dear. that you're speaking at all the time for up to this point. Now, 
Could you describe the lip mic and, and why it is and why it is used and continues to be used? It's quite an old-fashioned bit of kit, but massively effective. Could you describe a lip mic for people in your broadcast accent, Rob? Oh, dearie me, right, I've got to put the switch on now. I don't know if I can do this without... <laughs> Sorry, I've put you under real pressure here, mate. Sorry, no, buddy. I'm going to have to imagine a red light up in the corner here. Yes. Imagine, it's a, imagine it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a handball match or, or, a, or a bike race, mate. I'm going to try and do it without laughing now. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so, right, I'm going to stop laughing as well. Here we go. <clears throat> right. You ready? Yep. We're starting now. <clears throat> so basically, um, a lip mic. If you think of the cricket, maybe, if you're watching in Australia or India, Pakistan, somewhere like that, I think uh, for the British viewers, it will definitely be about the football. I think John Motson, Barry Davis back in the day on, on the BBC. John Coleman as well. David Coleman, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. John Coleman, he's a manager at Accrington Stanley. David Ooh. Coleman, the legend. David Coleman. He used to present Question of Sport, of course, when I was a kid. But for people older than, than us, I think he was you know, one of the commentators of an the era legend. in the athletics and the football. All of that sort of era. And you'll have seen the pictures, won't you, in the stadia, you know, John Motson's case, it was a, a dodgy jacket on and um, oh, yeah. <laughs> a microphone held close. That's the sort of microphone. It's a microphone right. that was invented to be used in, in, in big crowds and it cuts out the sound. Actually, it's got a little sort of metal roof on the top, which you press up against your top lip. That's the, the thing that you were referring to before, a little earlier on, Matt. Yeah. And, um, and, and a fantastic quality microphone in it. They're, they aren't cheap, but then when all of this COVID stuff was, was happening and or beginning, because obviously we're conscious of the fact that it's still happening, uh, unfortunately, um, we all had to, to invest in, 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 in stuff to work from home. And because I don't live with, with access to um, our, our studios back in the UK, because I live abroad nowadays, I live down, down in Spain, then uh, I had to think maybe a little bit more, thoroughly about investing in my own in my own setup so yeah a lip mic got one and um it is my favorite bit of kit i have to say uh, i think the sound you get off the lip mic is completely different because i'm it one is. of these more old-fashioned broadcasts i actually think and I, we've had this discussion about what broadcasting is a long long time and throughout the years yeah. i think a voice is for a lead commentator anyway the far by far and away the most important tool you can have you can be the least knowledgeable commentator in the world um, but if you have a good voice, you'll attract the attention, you'll get somebody's attention. You could also be the most knowledgeable commentator in the world with the best facts. But if you can't deliver it properly, then yeah. you, you aren't in the right job. Really, that's a really, really interesting point, isn't it? It's having a, um, a certain gravitas, isn't it? And the, and the ability yes. to command an audience and, and, and engage an audience immediately just, with, just by the way your voice resonates. It's, um, I think it's something you can improve. I think it's something you can learn to a degree, but it's it's something that's quite innate as well and quite a natural. It's quite a natural state, and that sort of microphone, as you quite rightly said, Rob, is traditionally used for some. When you look back at through the people that um, the listeners and yourself, a lot of the names you've mentioned, and myself as well, the, the people that we admire when we listen to sports as kids, when it was wall to wall athletics, football, rugby, that sort of stuff, cricket, they're the voices that stuck with us and 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 probably subconsciously they're the people that we want to aspire to be like a little bit without losing the essence of who we are but it, it is amazing that yeah you don't necessarily need although of course you do need to understand a sport but if you can carry a program and if you're if you're commentating on a sport you might not have too much knowledge about but you've got a good expert sat next to you just that command and just the way you carry yourself that comportment the way the voice comes across mm. is of so much value isn't it 
Of course it is. I think it is of more value than anything else. Certainly in my job, obviously your career is different in the fact that you were a top professional cyclist. You were a British champion. Of course, you can work in, in my chair and in the chair next to me, as you've mm. done alongside me a lot of time. So your your job in that sense in cycling is is much more versatile, Matt. But for somebody like me, who, who of course, not been a professional cyclist, never been near one. <laughs> And could never aspire or dream to be. Um, thankfully, most of you listening have probably never seen me on a bike, and that's, that's a positive thing, I can tell you. Um, the most important thing for me, even though I, I've been so lucky to be for the last 15 years or so alongside you guys and learning a lot from you guys about the sport, even if I know something, I will. it's not my job to say that if you yeah, understand me. Sure. My job is to get the best out of the experts. So people at home might be thinking, oh, what's actually going on? Asking yeah. this simple question. You have, to, you have to remember that a lot of our audience has never watched cycling before. We have to get engaged with different levels of, of knowledge. We can't assume knowledge all the time, certainly when you get to the big events like the Tour de France and what have you. Um, so often we will ask questions in my job that we know the answer to. Of course. But of course, course. It, it can't come the technical explanation can't really come from me because even if I know it, I'm not the one with the authority to deliver that. that that's that's got to be the ex cyclist. So there are a lot of nuances that people listening quite rightly might just say, oh, what's he on about now? Yeah. There are reasons for a lot of those things. I mean, we'd be here all day explaining the nuances of commentary because that's just, it is an art form in itself and I'm a firm believer in that. Um, and uh, I think that's a conversation for another day on a on a different build, differently build podcast, but um, it's a, no, it's lovely that you've touched on it, Rob, because it is it is enormously important, and it was it was what you just explained was um, the basis of, of another question I was going to ask you about the relationship between a lead and co commentator. But uh, mm. I think we've touched on that. But more a little bit more about you, Rob. You've just been speaking in your your broadcast accent. Oh, can I talk now, up and out? You yeah? can talk. You can go back to speaking oh, yeah. Lancastrian now, mate. Um, you can you Should can relax. Today, you yeah, see? You, you can, a... yeah. <laughs> but it's it's really fascinating, and I think. Um, I've known you in inverted commas for a long time, ever since I've been, uh, well, ever since you're a sport of in, uh, broadcasting cycling. You came onto the scene, I think it was, what was it, 2011, 2012, something like that in cycling. And I met you. I didn't know I met you. I was on. We were on um, Hay Tour, weren't we? That's it. Hay Tour in Devon. Me and I Ned was Bolton. on my bike. That's right. Um, <laughs> and it's important that, that this is just to finish off this little bit about your accent. I was on yeah, Hay Tour with, with, with Ned. We'd just yes. done a funny bit together, actually. We were walking the finishing straight. Well, the, about a K to go, actually. Uh, the stage that Simon Yates won the stage, didn't he, back then? Um, I think I seem to remember. But anyway, um, this person on a, yes, on a bike. riding for the British development team. That's Sorry, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it Long was, time um, ago, that seems. Wow. Yeah, it was, a, it was yeah, just... Was it 11 or 12? That was 2012. 2012. I, was gonna I say. think it was 2012, yeah. Because um, the reason I remember it, I had just moved house. Um, I was living in London at the time. Um, and I'd, I'd actually been working for Eurosport since 2007, 2008 on and on. Ah, right. Okay. Um, I started in Paris um, on a contract, but obviously I'd been doing a lot of football in the early part of my career. I did little bits of cycling, world feed here and there. But yeah, it was just before that, a couple of years before that, I started doing more cycling at Eurosport. But there was a there was a long queue uh, to get to to get the big races. So yeah, yeah most yeah, people it, probably wouldn't have heard me unless you were watching the tour of... I don't it know was, isn't, It was just amazing. You, you, this lad rode up, this young man, uh, on his bicycle, uh, rode, rode up to me and Ned. And, and I think we'd just done a, a little bit on our phones, um, doing a bit of Kenny Van Vlamick stuff in the early Kenny days. And then, <laughs> and then Rob, Rob comes up and said, hello, Ned, hello, Matt. And uh, I just looked at Ned and looked at Rob and You're I said, like, Who's hi, that? hi, mate. Um, 
and and you, I think your response, you were very polite, and you said, you, you, you don't know me, but you do. I'm Rob Hatch. And we were like, oh, flipping heck, because we were used to this broadcast voice, and, you, and you've got it quite a heavy. Hang on, man. Oh, Sean, Sean Kelly's just ringing. Give me two seconds. Give me two seconds. <laughs> I love this. Give me this. two seconds. I'll, I'll just. It's all right. Uh, you can, oh, you can put Sean on if you want. <laughs> I love yeah, this. ringing in a minute. Just call me Matt. <laughs> all right. Cheers. See you later. Oh, I tell you what, you, you re- we really should have just stopped the podcast and restarted it after you've had a conversation. I doffed my, <laughs> my cat. I mean, he is. I mean, what a legend. What I mean, what actually, let's well. go off on a very slight Sean Kelly tangent. Um, what an absolutely lovely bloke he is. I mean, work, yes. I, I, I don't a, work with Sean quite as much as you, but I have worked with him. And do you know what? It's a, we talk about privileges. Well, it, it just is. It's actually, it's a pleasure. What a lovely it, bloke. So much I know knowledge. He'll be ringing me. He'll be on his way to the welter as he speak. Oh, right. in it. He'll be on his way to the world. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. About the world, he always gives me a ring when he's on on his way. What a legend! Oh, he's a, yeah, yeah. What a lovely guy! What a lovely yeah, guy! Totally. Anyway, totally. sorry about that. Sorry about no, that. No, not at all. It, it, it has slightly uh, sl- slightly thrown me, but yeah. Um, and then you, we were on Hey Tour, and um, yes. it was so. This is Rob Hatch, and then we, we and you were talking about yeah, I use this broadcast voice, um, etc. And I didn't realise that it was you. And then obviously we. Was that the first time you'd met Ned? Must have been, mustn't it? Um, I'd worked on the same production as Ned um, not too long before. Now you're making me doubt whether it's 2012 or... It was actually, it would have been 2013, this. It was, I think, because it because that 2012, uh, I can't remember who won, who won the Tour of Britain, but the following year, didn't Brad, uh, Brad Wiggins won it, didn't he? The yes, following Brad year, he won the Tour it. 2012. It was I, I was working for the BBC, actually, at that, at that event. Right. But it was... We, um, there was no live coverage, so I was basically following the race around on my bike. I had a wonderful time for a few days. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Um, just collect it, collecting things. But there, were, there was a big problem because back in those days, there was no Wi-Fi in, um, in some of the press rooms. So right. we right. struggled to get stuff back to base. <laughs> Flipping neck. So yeah, it was it was an interesting one, but yeah, um, that would have been 2013 because that's right. Yeah. I, I didn't know Ned properly. No, I knew of him obviously, um, and followed his career. Um, and we'd actually worked on the same production a year before. That's why I think 2012 now, because he worked for Channel Four at the Paralympics. That's right. Um, but that's we didn't right. know each other very well at all. No. No. That yeah. I mean, I do, I do a lot of work with Ned, a, a, a lovely bloke. But yeah, that, I, that, that just wanted to set the scene. That's the first time I'd actually sort of met you, and then subsequent years we've worked together extensively. And actually, we've got a couple of the Italian races are coming up in the next couple of weeks, haven't we? We have. In, in, in September. So I'm really looking forward to uh, to those. But you'll be, I'll be commentating from Derby and you'll be commentating from Mallorca, won't you? Uh, exactly. So just to, to put it in a little bit of perspective. Now, Rob, so, okay, t- just rewind a little bit. Um, and just, can you can you explain, firstly, you know, you, you, you're, you're multilingual. Uh, you've got a love of cultures. You've spent a lot of, you, you're living in Spain. Um, but you're a Lancastrian. Can you just explain what what path you took to that, that took you to where you are now? I mean, what what were your intentions? What were your ambitions as, as a young man growing up? And why have you ended up coming from Lancashire and speaking all of these languages, uh, primarily Spanish? I know you. We had a conversation a while ago, and, and you you think in Spanish quite often. I asked you that that very question, but just take us back to the beginning, uh, if if you will, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, we'll go back to it, but Spanish, first, I've, I've spoken Spanish for over half my life now. Mm. Um, when I was a teenager, I learned, I, I spent a bit of time living over there and working in a scuba dive school, right. um, even before I'd finished sixth form, before I'd finished school. Um, so that, that's where that comes from. So, um, yeah, I was I was born in Accrington, East Lancashire. 
um, loved cricket and football as a kid. They were the sports that I were exposed to, really. My dad played both, and I ended up playing both. Um, football never never particularly well. Cricket, all right. I could bowl, but scared at bowl, really. Couldn't, couldn't bat or field to save my life, so I was never right. going to get anywhere with that. Uh, lucky enough to play a little bit of Lancashire League, um, which is a very nice standard. But again, um, again, I enjoyed bowling. The rest was was always something that I was never going to be good at, really. So always loved sport, never particularly gifted sportsman, unfortunately. Um, but at school, um, I was always told that if I wanted a good job and you know I wanted to do things, I had to I had to work hard and and I can thank my parents for that, really, for for pushing me to do all those things. And but originally, I think I wanted to be um, an airline pilot when I was a kid. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I. My my best best bit of every year when I was growing up was when me, my mum and my sister went on holiday. And right. every year, um, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd do the best and my mum my would take us to wherever. We'd get on teletext. And I know this is a bit of a cliche. Oh, teletext, brilliant. With Peter Kay and everything. <laughs> but it's actually true. Yeah. We used to, because, you know, um, we weren't we weren't wanting for anything, but we, you know, we weren't, we weren't, rolling in it or anything like that we couldn't usually book us holidays the year before like a lot of people we had to we had to get cheap deal on teletext <laughs> but but i'd always thank me my mum for that and i mean my, my parents did live together from when i was about six so but you know and my dad as well even though he wasn't at home he'd always help my mum to make sure that we got a holiday and what have you so my mum would take us and we'd end up in going to these places they used to call it allocated on arrival <laughs> So you're getting holiday on teletext, you know, the week before. This is sort of start of July. And you'd end up flying to an airport in Turkey or Greece or Bulgaria. We once went as well. It was lovely. Right. Uh, this is the mid-90s, early mid-90s. And they'd, um, you wouldn't know which hotel you were staying until you landed. It was <laughs> like, like a lottery. Like, yeah, it like was, hotel roulette. Oh, for, for, for <clears throat> us kids, it was brilliant. For me and my sister. But, but for my mum, it must have been a nightmare. Single parent <laughs> traveling all that way with two kids who probably wouldn't shut up. Flipping and um, we'd get there in the middle of the night and, and she'd have been praying probably that we'd have an hotel that was that was half decent. But no, I mean, they were wonderful, wonderful times and it always made me want to, want to go abroad. I was always, you know, told to say pleases and thank yous. And so I'd try and do that and learn it in Turkish or whatever if we were there. And, and I'd ended up learning little bits of hello and things like that to talk and order your food and what have you. And, and it was something that always stuck with me. And I was always, um, I was always very curious about that. And, and as time went on at school, I sort of changed from wanting to sort of study, uh, you know, how we call it, um, maths and science and things like that, which, which you'd need to be, to be a pilot back in the day, Sure. um, in, into languages and uh, sort of, changed and that transformation changed when I ended up going to university and I studied uh, French, Spanish and Italian um, at University of Wales. And, right. uh, but that, that included bits living in Italy, France and Spain as well. And by this point, when I was 17, I'd already gone and decided to go and work in a dive school in the summer right. um, in Gran Canaria or Gran Canaria. Um, and that's where the Spanish came. So I've got a, a Canary Islands accent because I picked it up learning with people who couldn't speak English when I was still in mid to late teens. Right. So I was, I, I, I consider it a really lucky time to have learned. 
Um, and that's why I know some people of a certain um, political persuasion, let's say, of things that have happened in the last few years in the UK. We won't go into it anymore, but they might not like how how I say people names properly on, on the mm. telly and what have you, but I just consider it to be one, basic education, basic manners to learn it uh, if I don't know it. And two, because I, I already speak certainly Spanish and then Italian and French, I'm fluent in as well. Um, but with Spanish, you know, it's almost like a native tongue to me. So yeah. it, it's almost unnatural for me to to get it wrong. I, th- I think that's a really, really, uh, I mean, I was going to, I'm glad you've moved quite nicely in, into that into that that realm because it is it's, let, let's be let's cards on the table you've had um you're you're a much admired and much loved commentator that that's that's no doubt about that but as you said there are a few voices out there um a few people that are quite Usually critical. The right wingy type voice yeah, yes yeah and, and, it, and there's an ignorance there and, and, I'm, and i'm glad you've explained explained that but you shouldn't need to explain yourself but um and i know that because of the way that some people are on social media a little bit critical. Well, no, some people are a little bit critical. Others are are quite horrible, actually, and exceptionally nasty. Uh, that the fact that you have the ability and and to speak multiple languages, one of which you, you dream and think in, um, that you won't go back to the default setting of speaking in a, in, a, in an English accent, and and I find that massively problematic, and. That stress has actually caused you to one of the reasons you've come off social media, mate, isn't it? Is because the heat that you were getting from basically trolls. It's one of the reasons. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the other reason is is just that I consider it to be just on, on reflection the last few years, not just with personal things, but just looking at at the um, and in, and I'm, I mean, I'm I'm even including like let's say causes that I agree with in this. Yes. Um, there's no nuance anymore. It's just um. A f- you know, click of the finger, nasty reaction about anything. Even if I, you know, and a lot of the time I see, I've seen colleagues, people I agree with, you know, being really aggressive with people. And again, I, I might be wholly, in wholly ag- in whole agreement with them, sorry. But, um, sorry, I was slipping back into posh voice there. Um, <laughs> in all agreement with them. But um, yeah. I just think that, that people should be just a bit nicer to each other. You know, Mate, I, I, I think I, I think it's a yeah. huge, huge problem in the world, um, yeah. and 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 again, all, a lot of these progressive causes, of which I'm I'm a strong backer, and and that that's what I find that's when I th- that's the moment I think I found it really difficult to to square with myself. You know, a lot of a lot of causes that you know are progressive that I actually agree with and back, just the way that they're delivered on social media and, and the aggression with which they're delivered and anybody else is right. I just don't think that's the way to win people over. Yeah. I, and, I think um, there's, um, and, and, the, I, and I, I just got fed up with it to be honest. Mike. Can, and yeah, the, the personal messages, I, you know, I've had nights ruined and I've been in pretty nasty places just reading what people have, have who don't know me. Yeah. Exactly. Have written. And, um, you know, all we're doing is, is a job and, you know, you, I, if only people knew how much energy and time I dedicate to every broadcast, then then maybe they'd have a they'd, they'd, they'd have thought twice before saying something. And that'll go for a lot of our colleagues as well. So, I, to, totally it's nice. That's it, isn't it? Really, yeah. Mate? I, I know it's the it's it's the emphatic nature and and the and the, the the lack of nuance that social media quite often offers up. I mean, I'm still on I'm still on the platforms, but um, I, I try not to engage with anybody who. 
um, riles me up I, because I haven't got the time and energy. It's draining. It's draining. But I completely understand why you've backed away. Backed yeah, away again, again, you know, people people sort of expect to be nasty. I think they're easy to brush off. But it, it's when when it, when you see people who you generally agree with and uh, sort of turning that way and oh yes, becoming so absolutely. aggressive about that. That's the worrying point for me. That's that's the moment where it changed for me. Yeah. Well, um, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we've. I'm glad we've touched on that, and I think it's. Uh, it's important that people. I think just uh, understand a little bit because I, I do question whether anybody who's says the things they do on social media, if they met you in person at the event, they'd never dare say that to your face. Exactly. That's, that's like what on earth? Uh, anyway, let's not let's not get too. But I, I think it's. I think it's important that that, that that we touched on. I think it's important that people understand you and why you do what you do and why you uh, and why you you commentate in the way you do and be, because it's it's not just you trying to be uh trying to be superior and i think that's what a lot of people think oh he's just trying to be superior why can't he speak like us it's just well because this is who i am as it blimey guys yeah, just relax and, and, and a little even, bit you know? even that chat about trying to be superior i mean i don't know i mean i, I think that people should, why why shouldn't you be curious in life why shouldn't you totally. want to learn something new i mean i, I always like learning things uh, yeah. So why, you know, if somebody, if that's the way something is, why wouldn't you just want to learn that? I don't. It's just something that I can't can't get my head around. But uh, yeah. but anyway, um, that, anyway, that's where that's where that comes from. Um, sure. And to to finish the story, um, I'm sorry, I'm 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 banging on here, but um, I um, I got to sort of mid teens, went to university, as I said, and and after university, I ended up going and doing a master's degree in Spain, uh, in Madrid. And um, I, as a result of that, ended up doing work experience at Eurosport in Paris. Wow, okay. Um, read the news there for a bit, which was a right. fantastic, fantastic learning learning curve because somebody who hadn't really studied journalism, and I, I don't really consider myself a journalist. I suppose by trade I am, and we are when, when we commentate. But mm. I, you know, I, I consider commentary to be much more of an art form than, than pure journalism. But that, that news was a fantastic little learning curve because you know you had to you had to speak more concisely you had to script things sure. um, I, I learned about you know n- not repeating words when, when they're scripted yep. things like that um, yep. what sounds good what works what doesn't you, you know I forced myself to listen to myself a lot because it was on this Eurosport news channel which no longer exists um, it was basically 15 minutes of sports news repeated. <laughs> Right. Four right. Hours I, I, I remember it. I remember it well. I do remember it. And we were on all over the world. It, it was amazing. It was sort of like hotel room telly. Yeah. But it was a fantastic school. Yeah. Um, you know, there might it might never have been. Obviously, things are changing now with Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, but, it, you know, at the time, it might never have been the most um, organized channel in the world. Never had the, you know, the Premier League rights or the, the biggest sports. But I tell you what what a school it was to learn from yeah um absolutely fantastic and and it really really helps when you go to learn and you'll have found this matt when you go to work for for other people things that for other channels where people might have been mollycoddled and given too much um and, and expect too much i think that you know that there's no panic for anybody who's been a, a eurosport certainly those days 10 15 years ago before that um because you'll have coped with just about everything. Yeah. Um on air, live and, and had to carry on the programme. So that was that was a wonderful, wonderful school. And I ended up staying there for um a year and a year and a half, something like that, just less. Uh actually no, just it was just about a year. Just about a year. Uh, maybe just less than a year. And then I got the offer of 
um, freelance work in London. I'd never right. lived in London before. I decided to move to London um, and ended up working in a lot of football, which is what I originally wanted to do. Um, quite a lot of volleyball, beach volleyball, which uh, was a fantastic job for two or three years, traveling the world, doing that, and making some really good friends. Yeah. Uh, finding out about new sports. Because uh, we weren't given, we weren't given chance to play much beach volleyball in Accrington, unfortunately. <laughs> you don't know where Accrington is. Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to. You've got an Accrington quiz coming up soon, and, oh, and, wow. and, and I, I was doing some reading about Accrington, and, and as far as I'm aware, no, there's no beach volleyball team in Accrington at, at the moment, Rob. Anyway, let's get it started. Let's get it started. <laughs> Accrington Cricket Club, or you know, Accrington Stanley. Let's let's get it started and federated. Let's uh, let's get it part of the club. Anyway, um, and. <sighs> I, amongst all of that sort of initial opportunity of doing things, I went to the Asian Games in in China and Kazakhstan and all these wonderful places that I say, you know, very different to us. And and given what's going on in the world at the minute, there's a realization I think that quite a few people are probably having is that, you know, we we might not be getting to go back to a lot of places like that for yeah for, for different reasons yeah. yeah. Um, for for quite a long time, so that that I'm I'm actually having quite a lot of throwbacks to those trips earlier on yeah. in my career at the minute. The way that not just the political situation, but the way the world's changing. Of course, we've all got to be more conscious with climate change in the news all the time and things like that as well. And home broadcasting becoming easier. But yeah, a lot of lot of sort of nostalgia and and memories of of those trips at the minute. And amongst those trips, I got to the, the Giro d'Italia in 2009, Matt, and I Brilliant. absolutely loved it. I was already right. in love with Italy. Yeah, I'd already lived there, but I love the Giro, and as you well know, that is my favourite event in the whole wide world. It's it's mine as well, Rob. It it, yeah. it it is mine as well. I think it's a question I often get asked: What's your favourite Grand Tour? What's your favourite race to go to? And and it's it's the Giro, and it's it's straight. I don't really need to think about it. The other races no. are wonderful, but the Giro has something quite um, I don't know, quite I don't know, quite grounded about it. There's there's um, yeah, it's a very, very special race. Um, something almost um, intangible, but it's it's uh, it, it grabs you by the heart and holds you, doesn't it? It just it just that's it. If once you've been to the Giro and worked on it or even seen it, you're in love, aren't you? Of course, of course. Um, <laughs> and we often ask, get asked about travelling to races a lot. Of, obviously, we've been working from studio in the UK a lot recently, and and from home and things. And, you know, people say, you know, we 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 you can't you bet you can't get wait to get back to the tour one day. And I always say, actually, do you know what? The one race I'd really love to go back to is the Giro d'Italia because I enjoyed the time on the ground there so much more. And and the way the tours evolved, and it's a such wonderful, wild, big beast. It's different if you it depends what role you're doing. But the commentary sure. role now, where we're kilometer zero to the end, I would say that we we wouldn't actually get that much from being back out there on site anymore because you actually don't really see anything of France anymore. Yeah. Um, when you're commentating, you're stuck in the the TV compound in a, in a truck, you know, and what have you. So um, I think that the Giro d'Italia, wow. Yeah, man, it just makes me want May to come around already quickly. <laughs> it's not too, it's not not too far around the corner, mate. Well, that that's a that's given us, I think, uh, well, not I think, it's definitely given us a, a real sense of, of of your of your pathway to this point, and and um, and I we will in a moment have the go for the Accrington quiz, but uh, I guess just one last point about the Giro, and was that the point you think then, Rob, in two thousand nine, first Giro d'Italia, was that when you you became you fell in love with bike racing as well? Yeah, certainly. I mean, obviously coming from Accrington and like I said, I was surrounded by cricket and football and other sports as a kid. 
cycling, I love to ride my bike, always love to ride my bike like a lot of kids do. Um, cycling as a sport, I didn't really have too much of a chance to get in touch with until probably I was at sixth form, so year mm. 2000, and our PE teacher used to talk on about it. But the only reason, unfortunately, he kept talking about cycling, he was a big cycling fan, but he kept talking about EPO. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we, were, right. we, were, we were studying sports science. Fair enough. And we were, you know, we were learning about how EPO works and all that sort of stuff. But I did have contact with it, and I watched it, um, but it was never – one of the main sports until I, until I lived it, until I went yeah. there and saw it. And yeah, obviously having lived in France, Italy, Spain, again, there's a lot of contact with it and, but, but getting to know it and love it like, like we do now, definitely that, that, that Giro changed things completely for me. And, and somebody, somebody in the, I want to say wisdom to some people who don't like the sound of my voice too much might be cursing the day they ever decided that, they thought I was all right at it. And um, from there it grew and here we are. Yeah. I've been, um, just about every event that there is to do. I've been very lucky to do that. And I still love it, Matt. I still absolutely love it. Yeah, it is. It's a. It's not a bad job at all. Well, it's not a job. It's a career, isn't it? It's, um, it's a, yeah, it's hard work sometimes. You know, there's a, there's a, the travel is quite, is quite draining sometimes, but in a good way. You often have to remind yourself when you're a little bit, a little bit exhausted and you look at, to take a step back and look at exactly what you do you think yeah this is this is all right it, it's not bad at all well rob we are 40 minutes into the pod and i think it's time is anyone still listening uh, i think well we're, we're we are going out live to to certain regions <laughs> so <laughs> it's time rob for the accrington quiz wow. yo yo what's up you're ready? Uh, uh, Let's do it. Turn off your phone. That's right. Get your thinking cap on. Yeah, yeah. It's time. What time? Time for the Accrington quiz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what? I absolutely love that jingle. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy that? <laughs> Brilliant. Better than anything I've heard on BBC Radio Lancashire. Tell Thank you, you I used to listen in. to them for football control all the time. Brilliant. We might have, to, we might have, think that's a bit of a, a bing of appreciation from our producer Niall, who is the the brainchild and the creator of uh, said jingles, which is, I believe, the highlight of his working week. Right, um, we've got four questions, Rob, on Accrington, the town of your birth and your formative years. Um, you'll be pleased to know that it's a multiple choice format. Thank goodness um, for that. So Might you're not going to get, uh, yeah, otherwise a, a quiz with straight up questions quite can often be a little bit daunting. So multiple choice and we'll kick things off. Are you ready? Are you comfortable? Do you want a sip of your Mexican uh, drink? Yeah, hang on a minute. Hang on. No, yeah, well, but not yeah. it's Mexican. I think <laughs> I think it's more sort of Uruguay, Argentina. Oh, Uruguay, okay. But anyway, it's gone big in Germany. It's big in, big in Deutschland. Big in Germany. It's called Mio Mio. There you go. Okay. Well, them. when we do... Um, um, yeah, you definitely. Ha- what we need is a is a photograph in a bit uh, once we finish the pod of your lip mic, your laptop, and your me o me drink all in shot. So we've got right. a real sense of, of what the vibe was. Is that okay? That's right, fine. Yeah. That's fine. Brilliant I'll stuff. get the uh, the official photographer in to do the job in a minute with his eyes. Great stuff. All right, mate. Well, on to question number one of the Accrington quiz. Okay, we'll start off with a football related question. Um, well, actually, it's a football forward slash pub related question. Ooh. So, Accrington Stanley Football Club has had its own pub in the town since 2007. What is the name of the pub? Is it well, 
Have you got it? No, no, no. Go on, go on. Please okay. give me multiple choice. I haven't been back much since 2007. All oh, right, okay. Well, there we go. So that's why it's a multiple choice. So you can actually try and look at logic um, and try and work it out. So Football Club has had its own pub in the town since 20, 2007. Is the name of the pub A, the King's Head, B, the Crown, C, the Queen's Head, or D, the Mitre? It should be B, the Crown. Are you sure? Well, it used to be the Crown Ground, and the pub has always existed. I just imagine that Stanley's bought the pub. That's my guess. You're correct. Oh, I well done. <laughs> Sorry, I left you hanging there a bit. You were like, it I, I, I like Karen. Like like final answer. Oof. Yeah, I just like to add, a, if I can, uh, a little bit of tension to the mix. So, well, it's a hundred percent so far, Rob. Um, so, one out of one. You're off to a blazing start. Um, if we were to use a cycling analogy, you've got yourself in the early move. Oh, fantastic. Right. Okay, right. Let's find out if it's going all the way or if it's going to get caught with 20k to go right. on. This one is a slightly uh, more tangential type of question and uh, could come down to just guessing. But here we go. Question number two. Mystic Meg, the famous astrologer, was born in a terraced house in Accrington in 1942 and has become renowned for her ability to possibly read the stars. Now, Meg owns several racehorses with astrological names, such as Astro Donna, Astro Angel, and Astro Nova. But what is the name of the company that she owns the racehorses under? So she's got a company that owns racehorses. <laughs> what is the name of the company? Okay, so you've heard of Mystic I'm Meg. I'm going to need as- Mystic Meg to work this one out. I know, so, but I've got... As it's multiple choice, I've got some options for you. So the name of the limited company that Mystic Meg owns her racehorses under, is it A, Mystic Meg Limited, B, Horse Star Limited, C, Crystal Ball Racing Limited, or D, Astro Horse Limited? Can I go 50-50, Chris? Do you know what? Um, let, let's bring Niall on because uh, obviously we, we need some uh, adjudicating here. And uh, Niall, um, can we get? Can Rob do fifty-fifty on this? Uh, yeah, why not? Why not? Okay, okay, well, right. Not. So I'm going to take away two incorrect <laughs> answers. Two answers that I came up with. So you're left with these two. Is it Crystal Ball Racing or Mystic Meg Limited? Well, I've had a lovely time, Chris. Um, I'd love to take the money and run. Um, but do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gamble. I'm going to gamble. I say Chris. It feels like I'm on bullseye, isn't it? Talking in Accrington. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to gamble. I'm going to go crystal ball racing. It's the wrong answer. It's not oh. Crystal Ball Race. It's simply, it's simply, I mean, she's gone out on a limb with this. It's simply Mystic Meg Limited. What a oh, creative no, name. Not. I know. I tell you what, she <laughs> might know everything, but she's not very really creative, is she? No, I, I came up, I'd have loved to, I think the Crystal Ball Racing Limited, I might, I might nick that myself. Um, it's better than Black Jersey Media. Uh, so yeah, righty-ho. So Rob, keep your composure but you have used one of your lifelines but you've still got 50% and there's still enough time in the quiz to redeem yourself two more questions to go let's kick the second part of the quiz with question number three here we go Accrington Library is a very special library situated on James Street in the town it was founded and built in 1908 with money from which famous American businessman and philanthropist okay 
So basically, Accrington Library is a certain type of li library paid for and built by a very, very famous American businessman forward slash philanthropist. But who was it? Was it A, John D. Rockefeller, B, Thomas Eddy, C, Andrew Carnegie, or D, J.P. Morgan? <laughs> It'll have been somebody to do with the textile industry um, in Accrington, because that was uh, that was what the town was basically built on. Of course, famous for Accrington brick as well, by the way. Indeed, it's the densest known brick um, yeah, ever. Yeah, not the isn't prettiest, it? not the prettiest, I no. would say. But yeah, famous for Accrington brick. Um, I'm going to go, Mr. Carnegie. Is that your final answer, Rob? It is my final answer because I don't really know the answer, Matt. It's correct. Well done. No, then. <laughs> Brilliant. No, then. Oh, good Thank lad. Thanks for that. Yeah, so basically, um, Andrew Carnegie built um, globally 2,509 Carnegie libraries. I was going to um, say that the reason I think in me, in me, in, somewhere in my head I've heard the phrase Carnegie library before. Yeah, it, it doesn't say it on the outside. I think you have to go in and find out. But it's uh, it's just known as Accrington Library. But it's specially built. Um, yeah, um, it was built. Yeah, built in 1908. But he built globally 2,509 libraries, and there's actually 660 Carnegie libraries in the UK alone. Wow! Um, uh, of which Accrington Library is one of them. Um, so it's built to benefit the people of the town, and obviously, with it being an industrial hub. He wanted to uh, help the people of uh, help of the, help the people of the town of Accrington. So, oh, there yeah, we go. My mum used to remember there. Remember getting getting dragged through, looking at all sorts. I think like Spanish class CDs that you built to rent in the early nineties. Oh 90s, yeah, like that. Did you did you did it have a really nice kids section with tiny chairs? It did, but the thing is, that I didn't go to <laughs> I didn't go to primary school in Accrington. I went to primary school sort of between Accrington and Blackburn, yeah, um, in a place called Great Harwood. And, oh right. Um, so I used to go to library there. Around right. there, but um, and yeah, but brilliant. Yeah, I remember getting getting dragged there, getting dragged around there. You know, didn't, didn't want to be in a, in a library, did you? It's like going to be playing championship manager on Amiga at home. <laughs> Excuse me, great stuff, oh, wonderful memories. But yes, correct and well deduced. So that leaves you. That gives you um, thirty-three point three percent. No. 66. We got you got two thirds right so far. I don't know what that is as a percentage. It's 77%. And it right. So less maths. Let's head to the final question. It is question number four. Right. Okay. The Accrington coat of arms were granted officially in 1879 and shows an oak branch, a lion and a stag, and a cotton shuttle. Uh, a nod to the town's industrial heritage. But what is the inscription, Rob? on the bottom of the Accrington coat of arms. Okay, I'm looking for the inscription. You know the little bit that's almost on a piece of fabric, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be like in Latin, in. won't it, probably, that's as well. That's it. Um, there, there are Latin versions, but um, there, there is, um, I think, in most buildings in, in Accrington, it's actually in, in English, but right. there's always Latin as well. Um, and it's quite, um, the coat of arms were granted quite late, formally, as well. Um, right. Does it read, A, strength in honour and industry, B, be valiant in prudence. C, industry and prudence conquer. Or finally, D, honour in life and industry, we strive. Oh, my word. Yeah. So uh, only you know one what, of those I'm, is the right answer. I, I'm actually a Blackburn Rovers football fan, so if you'd give me the one for Blackburn, I'd know it. That's the silly <laughs> what, thing. And it's, what, what, what is the Blackburn um, slogan or phrase? Oh, is that something in labour? Something in... 
Yeah, through by skill and hard work. Oof, skill and hard work. Um, honestly, Matt, I don't know. I don't okay, know. Read them again. So just have a little. So it, it, again, it's a guess. So st- strength in honor and industry. Be valiant in prudence. Industry and prudence conquer, or honor in life and industry we strive. I'm going for A, Matt. The answer is A. Strength in honour in industry. That's the one. Okay. It's the wrong answer, Rob. Oh, I'm no. sorry, mate. Look at what you uh, could have won. Was it a speedboat? No, it was. Uh, no, it was a caravan. Oh it no! It was a caravan. Which, if you just look over to your left, it's turning round very slowly oh, on a hand on a hand winched turntable. Oh, mate! But I tell you what, though, you've not gone home empty-handed. Uh, because Niall is going to send you uh, something through the post, um, <laughs> uh, like some sort of tankard or something. But uh, So let's just tot up the scores. Um, it's quite easy. It's only a short quiz. 50%. Well done. Um, let's have a round of applause from our live studio audience. That's a pass, isn't it? GCSE. <laughs> it's a pass. Mate. I'm sorted. That is an absolute pass um, and always an enjoyable segment of the quiz. I do hope you uh, enjoyed that quiz. So 50%. Well done, Rob. Um, moving on to the uh, to the back end of the quiz. We're coming into, we've just gone through the 20Ks to go barrier. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm going to hit you with a few rapid fire questions just in relation to, to what we do. I, I want to know, Rob, um, and this is one, we've all had them. What is your most nightmarish day? from a technical perspective, you've ever, ever had commentating on any sport, what's a day that sticks in your mind? It's like, oh my God, it couldn't have gone much more, much worse than that. What what day sticks out? Oh my word. There's several. I'll <laughs> give you three. Okay, you're going to give me three brilliant. Fire ones. So you've Turning got a top to a three. volleyball hole in Azerbaijan. Yeah. And nothing worked. Couldn't actually see the TV. The microphone wouldn't work. And... Um, my Azeri, I speak a few languages, but my Azeri isn't amazing. Okay. Um, so that didn't, that didn't, that, that took a little bit of uh, a couple of broken Turkish words because the, the language is similar and, but a lot of gesticulating and worrying. Right. Um, the next one, top of, um, what's it called? We had it this year, Blockhouse. Oh, yeah. And um, me and Sean Kelly's line kept going down. And let's say there was a, a heated exchange and argument afterwards. It's not the first time it had happened at that Giro. And the other one, me and Dan Lloyd, this isn't a disaster, this is more of a comical uh, thing. Um, me and Dan Lloyd were commentating the um, Harold Baker, Adrian oh, yeah. Pace, the E3, in our old Eurosport studios in sunny Felton, um, yeah. southwest of London. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, we love Felton. Famous for being the home of Freddie Mercury, by the way. Indeed. I mean, it's easy uh, to ridicule Felton. In the Felton, film, isn't it, Felton? Yes, it is. Uh, a little council estate just around the back of the um, back, back of the high street, not too far from the. Oh, what's that? Um, what's the pub called? The big one that's, that's open at like oh, ten a.m. The, the Weatherspoons job. Yeah, just around the yeah. back of there, isn't it? So and Felton film, has got its own charm. Stand by me by Oasis there as well. Yes, that's right. In the little arcade there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And he's got a, they've got a, they've got a blue plaque on Freddie's house, haven't they? The, um, there's um, there's a star, you know, like in, in LA, where you yeah. walk into the train station. There's like a star. It's like being in Los Angeles, I tell you. Um, there's a there's a there's a star on the pavement that said Freddie Mercury lived in Felton. There you go. That's the only reason Absolutely. I knew it. And then obviously I watched the Queen film, which is brilliant. I thought I cried then, five times during that film. Oh, right? what a film! What a film! Yeah. Um, film. Anyway, me and Dan Lloyd, um, the actual line went down to 
the the building. So it's not that we're on site and, you know, the little something went in the signal. The actual line, the cables just stopped working. So oh we had God. to pick up a phone and pass the receiver to each other for the last 30 or 40 k's. It must have been of uh, Adri Harold Becker. Uh, I think Cancellara might have won on the day, but... That was um, that was a broadcast I'll never forget. But so, yeah. so basically, so, so you had There's the pictures through. Them. So you, you had the pictures through, but you were talking on. The, so your audio went down a phone line. Yeah, we had to phone <laughs> our, our had to phone head office in Paris, and um, and you know it'd be me asking a question or saying it is Cancellara or whatever. Da, 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 da. Um, you know, Joe, Joe Bloggs has just attacked. What do you think, Dan? <laughs> Hand the receiver over to Danny <laughs> with talk. Oh, that's so analog. It's oh, brilliant, but there are brilliant. loads. I think I think my 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 worst one. I mean, there's been a few, um, and and most of them are completely out of your control. And that's sometimes why we have to mention on air that you know, and because Eurosport, GCN, whoever are a a broadcast provider, they're, they're not they're not a production company. You're not on the, no, you know, that, anything to do with the technical yeah, aspect. They don't film the race. That, that, it, that it, that's exactly. one of the most difficult things I think for the audience to understand. And and again, as we were explaining really early on in the show about um, sure, sorry. Um, yeah, you know, I like to think it's a show. Pod, the pod. A pod. The pod. A pod show. Um, we were talking about and how the industry works, and that, that's one of the big things that I think people struggle to get their head around. You know, and why yeah. would they not know? There's no reason for them not to know. But exactly. yeah, the, 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 the race is only filmed by one production crew. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting you know, that, that conveying that's like you say quite interesting. But there was just briefly, we would, I was commentating on the, the women's tour of Yorkshire um, with I can't remember who I was commentating with actually, but we were in Felton. Um, and the pictures were good, but they couldn't get the plane up. Um, and it, it, one plane had conked out. So what they had to do was then fly another plane from France all the way to Yorkshire. And, and it wasn't going to arrive on time. So all we had was one static camera on the finish line. And bear in mind, oh, no. the Women's Tour of Yorkshire that, that year was just one loop. So, <laughs> so we were basically had Twitter up and we were commentating on the race based on what random people and teams were saying oh, on Twitter. Oh, do you know what? You've just reminded me, I think, of the worst one. You just remind, you remember the Giro last year? Yeah, yeah, I was there. In the fog, yeah, you were doing it on site. Yeah, well, yeah. I was in Mallorca. Oh, yes, yeah. And Sean Kelly was in Bath, <laughs> and we were trying to commentate. I think that, do you know what? I go as far as to say, personally, I mean, I'm not, hopefully you know me, but I'm not one to, to say what I thought me, me best work was. I'm, uh, but if I ever got asked to say that, I reckon that'd be my best broadcast ever, that. Because it was so difficult to try and make it interesting. It, and we it, had to it, commentate on the race without seeing the race. And yeah, and Sean did a great job as well, especially because we couldn't actually see each other. Yeah. Um, it, it, well, yeah. That was the stage in the Dolomites when the weather was shocking. Was it Paso Gavia or something like that? It, it's the st- didn't uh, Bernal end up winning? Bernal did the business. Yes, basically extended his lead, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, it, it, it actually they they shortened the stage, uh, but it's still. I, I'm sure they shortened the stage. The weather was atrocious because I, I was on site with 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 Ned, and we well, obviously with the same pictures as you, and and basically, <laughs> uh, but we they said we need to con- you need to continue to, to talk, and, and I know we're going off on a slight tangent, but it, it does underline um, that's you've got to be prepared for everything. You've got to be prepared at worst case scenario to. Um, to continue talking and just having a blank screen, um, yeah. especially when you're doing the world feed or something, um, unless they decide 
in the past, we've had it when Eurosport in the early days, they drop in another, some highlights of something else. And then you, you've got a break. But on this one, we had to continue straight through. And that's when you really have to turn it on, don't you? And that's when you have to think laterally. And, and it almost becomes a podcast, in, in fact, doesn't it? And that's when I, sometimes those moments are the ones, like you just said, Rob, you remember the most. Yeah, because you have to tell the story of the race without seeing the race. Yeah. Um, and oh, it's just... <laughs> Yeah, I think that is probably the best broadcast I've ever done. Not the best in terms for the viewer, but technically and and, yeah. and performing to the best of your ability. I'd say that that was. Yeah, I think there's there's been a lot of them. I mean, we do we do a lot a lot of work, and they, you know they were just the ones that that, that spring to mind. But yeah, I, I also remember doing the football for your wafer as well. And you're never you're never allowed to criticise refereeing decisions, Ooh. and the camera would always pan away if some hooligan or idiot came on the pitch so if that lasted for a while you'd be talking about about things and um ah another one's just popped into my head sorry we're gonna be here all day matt do you realize that's all right no 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 um you're gonna be getting some one-star reviews sorry (laughs) (laughs) and this is actually one of the hardest days in my broadcast career um there's been a few of those for different reasons we won't go into because they're pretty you know there's some sad ones obviously some some horrible ones, but yeah, yeah. this was this was shocking because I thought that sort of thing was behind us. But this was um, Italy versus Serbia in an international friendly match, football match in Genoa. And you'll have been past the Genoa Stadium when you've been on the yeah. you know wonderful, wonderful old stadium, Marassi Stadium, one of the best in Italy. It's like an old fashioned sort of English style ground, which is well, and until a few sort of stadiums were were redone in Italy, quite used to be quite rare. Crowd close to the pitch. Great atmosphere, home to Sampdoria and Genoa. On this occasion, it was Italy versus Serbia, and something had happened politically in in Serbia a few days before. Um, and you had this hooligan group mm. that wanted to stop the match. And there was basically a hooliganism, and I could see it out the corner of my eye. I'm sat in the stand, and there was a guy cutting through this this net that was in front of them in the away wow. enclosure in the Serbia. And he was cutting through and trying to get on the pitch. Um, and this was like the ringleader. I think they called him Ivan the Terrible, or some awful name oh like that. God, right. Okay. I, it, was, it was really nasty. Uh, it was really unsavory. And, and actually walking to the, the stadium beforehand, I'd seen a lot of these people sort of knocking over souvenir sellers, wares and, and food stalls and just being generally, you know, horrible. Um and and that I think would be definitely another not not a technical incident, but an incident where, again, the reason I just remembered this is because we ha- I had to carry on talking until it, the match was officially called off. And blimey, you know what do you talk about there? Exactly, it's a, that's a really <clears throat> again. That's when you it's a it's not so much when you earn your money. It's that that's when you you have to it's had to be good. It's, that's when it becomes an art form and a craft. Yeah, You're conveying what's going on. Striking a balance as well, uh, but also saying what you see, and and it's um, but obviously tempering it. You know, and bearing in mind the audience that's still watching and listening, not sensationalise it. It's uh, you, you're having to self-edit at the same time because it's live. You know, yeah. it, it's uh, that is a that is when it's a real skill and, and an art and something that is um, that's something you you can learn with experience, but ultimately something that I think you're either good or bad at. I think it's that, and that's this human the human side that really comes into it then. Yeah, it's like anything. I mean, you know, there there are things that we're all good and bad at, and um, you, you often hear that you know, you know, some but certain somebody should be should be able to do this. You know, anybody should be able to commentate. Well, 
there is there is ability and there is you can always work hard at something and get better i wasn't the most natural of broadcasters but um you have to have i think it goes back to what i said right at the start of the, of the show you have to have some sort of authority authority in your voice and delivery mm. yeah um otherwise you don't get anywhere and you know the, i always compare it saying well i i should be allowed to play football but i'm no good at football so i'm not yeah, to, yeah. you know yeah there has to be some sort of ability there um, yeah, of course mate. and i think that uh experience then adds the rest to it and you know i tell you what that example of italy dearie me i wouldn't like to go back and and listen to that because that was rather early on in my career and Prob- I think the delivery would have been there, but my or my experience wouldn't have been. I probably had an absolute yeah. shock of that. Night. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, Rob. There's a funny. Sorry, man. There's a strange noise. Oh, um, random question alert. Oh, I can hear it. Random question alert. Oh, blimey. It is time for a random question. Oh no! Yeah, sorry about that, Rob. As you may or may not know, um, as part of my deal with with Sigma Sports. Um, uh, one of the technicians came and installed a 1960s, I wouldn't call it a supercomputer, but it's more like a computer forward slash fax machine in my office. I've just walked across the room and took this basically called the random question generator. I've torn off the slip. Uh, I've never seen this question before. And, and as a guest, you're obliged to answer. Oh, um, and this will be the way we wrap up uh, the podcast. Sorry it was so sudden there, Rob. Um, no, no, I, I'd have wrapped myself up there as well. I've been talking uh, for an hour <laughs> and four minutes and 25 <laughs> seconds, mate. Well, I, I posed the question and you answered them, Rob. So there's n- no issues at all there. And it's been it's been a wonderful chat. We're going to have to wrap it up with this strange question. Um, okay. Right. Would you rather live with one roller skate permanently attached to your foot or one boxing glove permanently attached to your hand? And it's your weaker foot and your weaker hand. <laughs> so you've got a choice. Um, a, uh, yeah, yeah, a roller skate on your weak foot or a boxing glove on your weak hand. And you've got to live the rest of your life uh, like that. What, Can what I put a cleat on the bottom of the roller skate and ride me bike? It's not written here, and I'm 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 I'm, I'm going to have to be quite stern with you here. I, I don't <laughs> think that's going to be an option. <laughs> right, I never think about um, this. I know what my answer is. Boxing glove on your hand. No, or, thing is, or a roller yeah, skate. Yeah, I need. I, I have to go with the, the roller skate on the foot. Really? Yeah, yeah, because it gets places quicker at least. Um, yeah, you... I'd sort out me, me balance because my balance is awful it's something that's really bothering me as I get older okay and um, and I'd have to sort that out and yeah I mean like, I'm holding my lip mic now with my left hand I keep changing it what would and I you wouldn't do? be able to do, I you imagine having my boxing glove on that's a really good point actually Rob that's a really really good point you know um, um, and I'm not right good at writing you know I am writing that was always one of the things in my school report must improve his handwriting so if I had to do all my notes by hand for work, yeah. I'd be I'd be a mess. So I need my hands to type. Right. Because you know what, I'm like, I start all my research in like now for next yeah, season. That's a, well, I was thinking first off, I mean, yeah, I know you, you do a lot of, you do your research very, very early, don't you? As soon as you, the big races are announced. But I, I would, um, I was thinking I'd go for the boxing glove, but now I realise I use my computer a lot and I use yeah. my phone a lot with two hands. You're um, good though with the handwriting though. Your handwriting is lovely, isn't it? I've seen your handwritten I, notes. I don't, I, I mean, I can, it's it's quite scruffy at the moment, but I, I think when I put my mind to it, it can be okay, but I like yeah, to write in block. I can assure you, Matt's handwriting is beautiful. We're getting a, a star for that. Yeah, because we, we've all got different ways of prepping, and I do like yeah, to, I, mean, to, I like 
my analog notes to be handwritten um, in block capitals because my joined up writing is actually very, very poor. Uh, but no, that's a very, very good answer. I would, I think I have to go with you. After initially thinking I'd have a boxing glove, I'd go for the roller skate because then you could, um, you could basically just scoot everywhere. It'd be quite efficient to get, for getting about, especially in massive French supermarkets on Grand Tours. Um, well, I'm looking it, down out the window now, and there's about seven or eight of these new electric scooters yeah. that you can rent through an app on your phone, and they're just standing outside the hotel. And do you know, I wouldn't need one, would I? I wouldn't need an no. app or anything. I'd just, I'd be off. Wouldn't or need tube. I'd, I'd be off. I'd be at the venue in ten minutes. Or just worst case, you know, say things went a bit, a bit wrong. Um, you said the wrong thing on air and you lost your commentary job, you could have an app, look, the Rob Hatch app, and you could just stand around on street corners and people could hire you and you could be a human scooter. <laughs> Don't give people ideas. <laughs> oh, Rob, sorry, mate. Um, from um, What a strange way it's to end It's been a wonderful career. Thanks for having me. I'm a human scooter. Oh, mate, sorry. Rob, I tell you what, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um having you on the pod thank you so much for, um, for joining us mate and, and i can't wait to actually see you in real life again hopefully before the year's out we yes, can catch I, up um, over a beer mate because i've missed you i've really missed you mate. no i've missed all of you i've missed all of you and uh, it's, it was lovely to be over for obviously the giro d'italia and see a few faces but you know we're, we're very rarely in the same place now after as, as i'm sure a lot of friends and family are after the last two or three years so yeah um, I've missed you all and and just for everybody as we touched on briefly before whoever's commentating whoever's talking they're just doing their best and they're enjoying their, their job and um, just be nice what a lovely way to end it what, what a lovely what a yeah that's, the, that's just the right thing to say mate just be well. nice it's, to each it's, other it's important yeah you might have different opinions we all have that's what makes the world go around it's that's what differences are what makes us who we are it would be yeah. a dull dull place if we all thought the same thing but let's let, let's treat each other with respect and just be nice what a lovely way to end the pod mate He's a top lad, Rob, and what a great message. Just be nice to others, folks. It's an easy way to make the world a better place. Thanks to Perry App Gwyneth for the podcast in tune, and thanks to you for listening. Uh, to me recording these links, actually, uh, from my hotel in uh, LA, in the United States of America. I mean, a ho the hotel Doubletree in Marina del Rey. Um, the Wi-Fi signal in the room was exceptionally poor. I've had, to head to a I've had to head to a conference room where it's very, very echoey. And I forgot my lip mic shield, so I've got a, a bag of my microphone, which makes it look slightly as if it's been uh, held captive but anyway um, don't forget to like follow and rate the pod and maybe give it a little review if you feel like it and why not recommend it in six languages if you're a professional commentator with a multinational audience and don't forget if you have any questions comments or have a story to share please do get in touch our email address is podcast at sigmasports.com and remember our new feature drop us a line on our burner phone via WhatsApp with a message or a voice note. Our number in the UK is 0777-832-3268. And finally, a massive thanks again to Rob for joining us on the podcast today. Cheers all, stay safe, and goodbye.